Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and this is another one of my first look episodes, this time for the Mythos Pack Horror in High Gear, which is a real tongue twister. But I'm not doing it alone as well. I'm joined today by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, doing very well. Uh, Just fought off the last of the snow here, I think, but it is absolutely freezing cold. I saw in the news that it might go down to minus nine in Jeez. some places, which is pretty co- co- cold for the UK. That is cold. It's uh, my my phone is saying minus four at the moment here. Okay, just cold. It is definitely nippy. Yes, the thing is because we're by the sea, it it actually tends, although we are in quite far north, tends to not get that cold, or at least not stay that cold for too long. Mm, yeah. So this is probably. If it is minus four outside, it'll be one of the coldest it's been in all the time I've lived here. Wow, okay. I'm just reading Ursula Le Guin's novel, The Left Hand of Darkness. Have you read it? Do you know? No, I haven't. I haven't read any of her books. Oh, mate. Okay. I know what I'm getting you for your next birthday. (laughs) It's set on a world that's going through its ice age. And uh, there's a there's one person who's come from another planet, essentially to convince this planet to join their federation of planets. So it's sci-fi, but really it's all based on this one planet and there's not really any tech. But he, the, the, the main character, has not come from a cold planet. And the running sort of, it's not even a gag, just the running theme through the book is that he's cold and that he's like consistently cold all the time. And everyone else finds, you know, temperatures around freezing not too bad because it gets really cold. But for this other character, it's like, oh, I'm so cold, <laughs> um, which I think is a little bit like I I am. I feel the cold a lot. Anyway, yeah, it's really good. It's a really fascinating book. Cool. Anyway, that's nothing to do with Arkham. Um, although maybe one day we'll end up doing a kind of snowy campaign, won't we? That would be fun. Well, the um, Mountains of Madness would be the prime, the ca- fit, prime right? candidate for something snowy, right? Yeah, absolutely. But- That'd be a bit more pulpy, more in the vein of uh, the Forgotten Age. Yeah, there's been quite more a few in the vein of the Thing. <laughs> well, what one would hope, yeah, uh, one mm. of my favourite films. I make no secret about that. But there's been Arctic or Antarctic rather expansions for Eldritch Horror, right? Yeah, yeah, Antarctic, yeah, and and actually they added another great old one, Ithaca who's sort of Arctic-based and also about cold sweeping the globe. So, yeah, they've, they've explored that. That'd be good fun. Could be fun, yeah. Anyway, what might you wear to keep you warm in cold weather? Would it be the first card we have in this pack, the Enchanted Armour? Now, do you want to go first or second, Pete? Uh, you can go first. So this is a one-cost asset, 2xp, it's Guardian, unsurprisingly. It has willpower and agility icons. Ritual and armour traded. Play enchanted armour under the control of any investigator at your location. Forced, after damage and or horror is placed on enchanted armour, the owner of enchanted armour tests willpower X, where X is the total amount of damage and horror on it. If the test fails, discard enchanted armour and assign the damage and or horror just placed on it elsewhere takes up the body slot and the arcane slot and in has health and sanity values of asterisk because it's potentially unlimited based on that text it can take both damage and horror it's not null it can take them it's just asterisk so yeah that's the enchanted armor 
This is wild. I mean, there's lots of sort of unusual stuff. We've got asterisk, asterisks instead of yep. uh, instead of values. We've got the body slot, which is already rare, but a, a mm-hmm. dual body arcane slot, which must mm-hmm. be the first time we've seen that, right? Is it? Yeah, yeah. That's I don't think even time, the sure. the armor of Arden has. It's that's just a body slot, from what I remember. That's just a body slot. Yeah, and flamethrower is a body and two hands, which sort of makes sense because you've got yes, the you canister. No, very, very weird. That's a great bit of art as well. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like I, I'm picturing the person who's casting Enchanted Armor is just off the top of the image and it's sort of snaking down and covering someone who looks a bit like Roland in his trench coat, kind of um, protecting him. So who runs this? Well, interesting question. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I will respond with another question. How much <laughs> damage and horror do you think combined you'd normally get on it? That was my follow-up question, yeah. Because you place this under control of someone else, and then but it's still the, the o- owner that takes the test. Yeah. So that makes me think that the answer really is dependent on the willpower of the person taking the card, and the higher the willpower, the better. Yes. So if we were to take this in, say, skids, <laughs> yeah. not someone I'm suggesting who has willpower too, but could take this because it's guardian level two. He could play this on himself or on someone else. But the first time this gets damage or horror, he's taking a willpower one test or say he takes a hit and takes a damage and a horror. It's a willpower two test. And already that's starting to get tricky for skids to pass. So that's making me think probably you're wanting to, to run this in someone with higher willpower. And I, I mean, the scary thing is, I think, even when you get to four damage and or horror, that's starting to get tricky as a test. But paying one cost and two XP for a 2-2 soak doesn't get me particularly excited. Well, this is the thing, though. It's it's not a 2-2 soak, is it? It's a it's a whatever-you-want soak. It's a 0-4. Yeah. It's a 3-1. It's a 2-2. Yeah. It soaks whatever you need it to soak up to around about four total, maybe four or mm-hmm. five total. Yeah, and and it's it's relatively cheap, I think, for that level of soak. I mean, yeah, there's there's um, allies that are two two that cost one, but they obviously use it the ally slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. We look at uh, Xavier is three three, but he costs five and uses the, the ally slot. Of course, he has got a stat boost on him. Mm-hmm. What about mm-hmm. these the other cards like something worth fighting for or True Grit? Yeah, which they're both fe- what three cost and soak three. Yeah, they're, they're, they're well, they're not zero. Well, they're, they're blank three, aren't they? Yeah, zero three. So yeah, they, they feel they're not quite as good in terms mm-hmm. of potential soak, but also they're, they're less flexible as well. This could take any combination of things, which is most useful for the situation you're in. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think that being able to work out what combination is potentially very useful you know say you play a challenge scenario or a a standalone scenario that you just decided to slot in in your campaign and it does a load of damage as one of the things that the effects does or you know or you've suddenly gone into tfa where you're maybe taking more damage than you were expecting the enchanted armor becomes your damage soak solution but then you might play a different campaign that's much more horror based or maybe you're just taking more attacks from enemies or whatever it is and you can kind of toggle this that that flexibility that ability to change it on the fly is maybe a a sleeper boon for it yeah and it it could also also work almost like a dodge you can play whenever you want before they take the attack a bit like oh what's that card i'm thinking of 
delay the inevitable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Great except, point. Yeah, except oh, delay the inevitable has got too much text for me to remember how it works on it. You have to pay every turn for that, don't you? You pay every turn to keep it. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes the best use of delay the inevitable is exactly as you say, like one of you is tanking the three damage, three horror hit from the big enemy that you're, you haven't managed to kill. So the player puts delay the inevitable down. It, it's like a super dodge at that point, or the same as a dodge. They soak up this six damage, six horror, and then and then move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they don't keep paying to keep it around. Um, I think that's why people end up not running it, in, uh, is that you can just dodge for the kind of situation where Delay the Avatar is best when you know there's damage and horror coming down the pipeline, yeah. at which point you may as well just dodge or have other plans. But, but, but to an extent, this feels like a dodge you could play and then move away. Just leave it on someone else. You know what I mean? It's, it still costs one, um, although it's two XP. I think the other thing I'd say when you said about, you know, it could be a zero three or a two two or a, you know, which, whichever way you toggle it, that difficulty four test isn't isn't the cap of it. You could have a situation where you plan to pass, say, one difficulty seven willpower test, particularly if you are systemary and you've been boosting your willpower and you've lent into willpower heavily or you're diana stanley and it's sort of end game you're at willpower six you might be thinking i'm going to commit a promise in power be 10 versus seven for this one test and then enchanted armor is soaked way more than we we thought it would soak because that's that's the the hidden benefit of it. it's not that hidden that's the the crazy benefit of this card is that we, if you play conservatively, you'll put quite a low limit on how much you can soak with this card. But if you think you can smash that one test at a certain point, you can actually make the limit really high. You could even do, you know, like if you had something like, um, oh, wow, corset flashback. What is the card, rogue card, that flips the modifier from a negative oh, to a positive? Sure, gamble. Sure, gamble. Yeah, exactly. Like imagine in skids where you you're taking a willpower seven and you actually want to tank it with. I think he's the only person who could take the armor and sure gamble. But yeah, anyway, there is a or low look at of course. There's potential room for like insane ways of actually putting much more than one would expect on this. Yeah, and I think it's yeah. all about if you can put a lot in one go and then pass a single test. That's a lot better than, say, every turn you're doing a willpower one, then a two, then a three, then a four, then a five, then a six. And you're giving yourself, you, you want to take a big clump of damage and horror in one go, pass that one test, and then move on. Because this could protect you from beyond the veil, right? Take 10 damage on this. If you can pass a difficulty 10 willpower test, yes. Pass a difficulty 10 willpower test, yeah. I sort of feel like there's probably better ways of doing that, though. Mm, yeah, if, I'm if, sure there if, right. if yeah. that's what you're taking this for. Yeah, I, I think it's, I, yeah, it's interesting to look at the edge case, Frank, but I think, like, it, it's sort of comparable to other cards like Dodge and Delay the Inevitable, and mm-hmm. even, say, I've had worse. I've had worse level two will cancel, is it four? Yeah. Four total? Uh, it's just two, two total. Sorry, two, yeah. yeah. I've had yeah, worse level in any four is four total, yes. Um, yeah. So it, it feels comparable to those kind of cards. Mm. I tell you who's who might be fun to play this with is Tommy Muldoon. Yeah, yeah. If, if someone else, so if I have this right, if someone else plays this on Tommy, and then it's defeated, Tommy. Oh, hang on, no, 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 no. This gets mm. discarded, so it doesn't work yeah. with Tommy at all. It doesn't get defeated. Yeah, and in fact, 
there's no no way of this getting defeated. Exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it has unlimited damage and horror. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, well, I'll tell you what then. There are some cards that can move horror, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Homer and he, I mean, his his Elder Sign can move... His Elder Sign can, yeah. ...move yeah. damage. So as long as you don't put any more damage on it... Oh, hang on. After damage and horror is placed on enchanted armour, that'll work even if you move something to it, won't it? Yeah. So my, my mega combo doesn't work at all. <laughs> I like that you said to me, you're thinking about the edge case, but let me <laughs> nail you with this edge case. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose what I'm trying to drill down with explaining that edge case is on the face of it, this is a quite simple card. It will soak a bit for you and then you'll fail a test and discard it. But we can see written into the bones of the card that there's a lot of opportunities for very weird things. Yeah. And I think the thing that I like is if you're anyway boosting willpower, this is another way of sort of passively using your willpower to do things. Obviously, you could run dodge, but if you're committing as Sister Mary to putting in loads of um, buffs to your willpower because you're leaning more into the mystic side of her access, or the same with Diana, then you get another benefit by running this card because you can use your willpower to pass a few tests on this and soak a bit of damage and horror. So yeah, should we move on? Yeah. Okay, so next we have Blessing of Isis. This is a two-cost, three-XP asset, uh, a single wild pip, and it has Ritual and Blessed. Reaction, when a second Blessed token is revealed during a single skill test at your location, exhaust Blessing of Isis, cancel that token, and treat it as if it were a Elder Sign token instead. Return both of those tokens to the Chaos Bag after this test ends. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is really good. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's got the potential to be really good. Uh, Mm. So, we have been playing a Curse campaign. Mm Mm-hmm. And one thing we've discovered is that it's pretty easy to get that bag full of curses. Mm, yeah. um, and it's not uncommon to draw two curses in a single test. I haven't played Bless. I don't think you've played a, like a kind of heavy Bless party yet, have you? Not yet as a team, no. But I can kind of imagine the same would apply. It'd be quite easy to get that bag full of Bless tokens. Actually, I tell a lie. I've done one standalone where I played Mary. We did the blob with me as Mary. Right. And, yeah, I managed to get both Rite of Sanctification down with five Bless on each. Right. Very <laughs> painlessly. Wow, okay. <laughs> so that meant we were at ten, and then we were desperately finding things to spend the Rite of Sanctification resources on every turn just to keep the Bless in the bag. Um, so, yeah, it's easy. Well, then, yes, this seems like it would be good. Oh, this is blessed, so... Mateo can take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, Mateo has a, has a great Elder Sign effect, doesn't he? It is, it is real yeah. ability, as we always say. So that is at the heart of why I think this is a really intriguing card. Because drawing one bless, you get plus two to your stat. Drawing two, you get plus four. There may be very rare occasions when you're taking a test, you think you have no chance of passing, and drawing a double bless is useful. But... The real toss-up here is, do you want plus four and reveal another token? Or do you want whatever your Elder Sign gives you and keep both of those blesses in the bag? And that's where the way up is really cool to me. So for Sister Mary, her Elder Sign is plus one, add another bless to the bag. So maybe you're about to pass a test and you just want to keep those blesses in the bag. So you switch from a plus four to a plus one. 
which you know, might not be useful. But obviously for Mateo, it's drop the difficulty of this test to zero and get a resource in the card or an extra action. So it's almost always going to be better for Mateo. And we talked about this when we were talking about Bless and who runs Bless. And particularly, does Mateo actually like to run Bless? Because in a way, he'd much prefer to hit Curse into Elder Sign than Bless into Elder Sign. Because either way, the difficulty of the test is dropping to zero because of his Elder Sign. So it almost feels nicer if you've gone from feeling like you're about to fail to passing than being five over, then seven over, then automatically succeeding. Anyway, this feels like a real payoff card for Bless in Mateo in particular. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Just remind me, sorry, what does the the Blasphemous Covenant... Uh, sorry, not the Blasphemous, the... Um, oh, what's the, what's the Guardian Covenant called? Is that the Sacred Sacred, covenant? yeah, it, it's a Holy Covenant or whatever. Yeah, Sacred, yeah, it is. So that is... After an investigator at any location performs the reveal chaos token step, exhaust sacred covenant, return any number of blessed tokens revealed during this test to the chaos bag, ignoring their modifiers for this test. So that's, you know, if you've accidentally rolled into four bless and then a minus one and you were going to pass because you're one up anyway, the sacred covenant just keeps those bless in the bag for you. You don't lose them all. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't combine with this, I don't think. Not, not, not really. No, and actually, this performs a relatively similar function, which is if mm-hmm. you pull two plus tokens on a test, it puts them both back in the bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which is nice. I'm really gl- glad you mentioned the sacred covenant though, because the other overlap I see here is that both of those cards aren't specific to you. They both affect people. I mean, sacred covenant affects people anywhere across the map. And Blessing of Isis affects any investigator at your location. So Sister Mary might run Blessing of Isis, but she's not using it to keep Bless in the bag, but she's using it to trigger Silas's Elder Sign effect or Diana's Elder Sign effect, whoever it is at her location that reveals two Bless tokens. So that's where I like it, that it's another element of Bless that's all about the team and all about rewarding other people in the team because you've put the effort in with Bless. So I think that's really like a really nice, cool detail, you potentially use saturating the bag with Bless to let everyone hit their Elder Signs more. And as we've said before, Elder Signs are quite an exciting, impactful thing to happen. So having another way to trigger them is cool. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Interesting. All interesting. Thank you, Frank. Sorry. Mm. As you were speaking, one of my cats jumped up on the table and started drinking my paint water. Okay. I mean, that's about the same equivalent of my take, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's what Monty (laughs) thinks. paint water. Yeah. I also just want to say that I think the art is awesome. It makes me think of, you know, when you like do a combo in a video game and it does like some kind of cool light effect around the back of you, like combo. That's what this looks like to me, that she's like used her guns and it's suddenly given her great orange wings. Yeah, no, I, I, I like it. Actually, well, both the bits we've looked so far in this pack have been good. <laughs> yeah. So shall we move on? Yeah, let's, let's. At this point, it's worth noting that I think every card has been announced of this pack. So yes. it's a first look for us, but um, people might have known that things are out there. But as ever, we'll just carry on and enjoy ourselves. So this is a cryptic grimoire upgrade. It's text of the Elder Herald. Three cost, four XP, seeker asset, intellect and agility icons, item, tome and cursed. You can only include this asset in your deck by upgrading it from cryptic grimoire untranslated and only if you've translated the grimoire, which is by putting 10 curses in the bag in your campaign log. After you resolve one or more curse tokens during a skill test, place that many secrets on Cryptic Grimoire. 
that's a reaction. And reaction, when you play an insight event during your turn, spend two secrets, that event gains fast, reduce its cost by one, and it takes up the hand slot. Frank, I just do you want to have a look and read the next card as well? Mm, yeah, I can do. So we had text of the Elder Herald, but we also have text of the Elder Guardian. Same cost, same XP. It's lost its agility icon and gained a willpower icon. Same rules about including it. Same first reaction, is that right? After you resolve one or more curse tokens during a skill test, place that many secrets on Cryptic Grimoire. And then reaction, when you would draw the top card of the encounter deck, spend five secrets, draw a card from your deck instead. And this is blessed yes, instead of cursed. It's blessed yeah. rather than cursed. Hursed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what do you make of these, Peter? Right, well, first of all, I like, I think it, we saw at least one of these has been teased by another another hashtag mm. content producer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't remember which one it was. But as I said to you when I saw that, what I really like is that it fits very well with the 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 level zero version. Mm-hmm. That, that a deck built to be able to have 10 curse tokens in the bag will easily be able to use one of these two cards as an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think we're maybe jumping a step. You're suggesting that the easiest way to get to 10 curses in the bag is not to use the action ability on the level zero version of the Grimoire. It's to have other cards to get there. Yeah, yeah. And that actually, means yes. that when you upgrade it, you've got those other cards that get to curses and you then get a payoff instead. Yes. Is that, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, basically. I, I'm saying a deck that, that is able to pass the the pass the the requirement on the level zero version is also mm-hmm. a deck that likes these two. Or I guess yeah. you're saying it the other way around, is that a deck where that wants these cards should easily be able to pass the requirement on the level zero one. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But either way, I think we agree. Yeah, and what you lose on these ones is ability on this card to add curses to the bag. Sure, yeah. So what's important about that is if your only curse tech is the Grimoire at level zero and you upgrade it, these cards can do do nothing for you <laughs> unless you have other people in the party cursing. I think that's like it's it's a fairly straightforward point to make, but it is important to note there might be players who go, well, I'll put the cryptic grimoire in. I don't want to go too heavy on curse because it might ruin my day. And then they upgrade to these and they have no way of adding curses anymore to the bag. Hmm. Just worth noting. I find it interesting that we've we've split the factions. So Seeker and uh, Rogue seem to be more focused on curses, and mm-hmm. uh, and Guardian and Survivor focused on blesses with Mystic kind of in the middle. Mm. It's, uh, I'd like when we because we keep on promising to do this episode on, on curse and bless. It'd be mm-hmm. interesting to understand why that split has taken place there. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, <laughs> a slightly cynical take is it that. Seeker and Rogue are best placed to go really high on tests, <laughs> so they're better able to handle the pounding of curses, you know, the sort of numeric thing. I wondered that, that it fits thematically that Seekers are intrigued in sort of delving into darkness and attracting dark magic, Yeah, but also Seekers have a reputation for being very powerful, so if they have a thing to play with that might curb their power in terms of failing tests... Maybe. Maybe, yeah. But, I mean, also, you could say rogues are luck- being lucky as part of their, their shtick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, sure, Gamble comes up again here. You pull a bunch of 
curses and a minus five and then turn the minus five into a plus five you, you kind of mitigate in that way or you go to 11 on two for your lockpicks test it doesn't matter if you pull three curses at that point anyway we'll save we'll save more of that for the discussion <laughs> we will, yeah. i think i think the again we're using our experience with our curse team the nice thing about this grimoire is that you're not using the curse you reveal that it's almost a passive ability that slowly the curses are adding secrets you're not having to sort of trade them in or or the curse just carries on as normal basically and you slowly add secrets and the other factor that i like is that the grimoire doesn't exhaust as it adds secrets so which would be weird if it did. But that means if you have that freak occurrence where you end up drawing multiple curses in one test, the Grimoire just powers up really quickly, which I think is really good. You might be like, well, this will probably take a while to charge up, and then suddenly you're on four secrets and you're looking for insight events in your hand to play fast and reducing their cost and so on. How does it combine with the Blasphemous Covenant, if at all? I think it works fine after you Yeah, resolve... you still resolve it. Yeah, you just change the modifier, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you could draw a curse, make it a plus one instead of a minus two, still add a secret. Yeah. I, I feel... Honestly, I feel probably the one that needs the fewer secrets to work, so the text of the Elder Herald is maybe mm-hmm. the better one. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. No, I, I think I think getting five secrets is is a big ask. I think, mm-hmm. oof, I don't know. Maybe I should keep my eye out next time we play a team curse. But it feels like you'll get to five secrets. Maybe, I mean, less than three times mm. over yeah. the course of a over the course of a scenario. And of course, you've got to find and play the card first. So there's yeah. a good chance you might never get to use its ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is a feels like a kick in the teeth for a three cost four XP card taking up a hand yeah. slot. It's potentially if you do use it, say three times, it's cancelling three encounter cards for you. Mm. But it's a big ask to do that three cost and four XP when you could say run Malison and just drop a clue every turn. <laughs> Never, you know, sort of keep cancelling things. Obviously, it's not just cancelling. You're cancelling drawing the card and drawing a card yourself. But yeah, yeah, I've, I I agree with you. So that leads me down the line of there are other ways of adding secrets to the Grimoire. Well, quite, yeah. But but let's just jump on to the other one briefly. I, I feel mm, that yeah, ability, yeah. Two, two secrets feels a lot more achievable. If we're managing, imagining you could cancel, say, two encounter cards, that's... You know, a potential cost saving of of five and five events you've played with fast. So five actions and five resources saved. Mm, Yeah. That feels like the tastier option. You know, imagine like playing preposterous sketches. It's uh, it's similar to the math for um, the hunch deck, although it's only saving Mm. one. Yeah. A lot of those events become a lot more attractive if they cost less. Like uh, no standard turn level zero if that was fast. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then also, I mean, adding it to things like you're just at a desperate rush to clear your location of clues, even adding it to burning the midnight oil, just you're you're not getting a a cost reduction then because it costs zero anyway, but you're getting to investigate fast, which I was doing with Farsight as well. And then I think as well, things like I've got a plan, plan, exactly. fighting fast is really nice. You could almost, depending on how quickly you can put secrets on here, you can almost just work on using the fast or just work on using the cost reduction and, and sort of 
if secrets are plentiful, then it doesn't matter as much. Use it um, to pl- about both. Use it to play. Uh, fa- uh, is it truth from fiction? I always get them mixed up. I said this on the yeah. cast. Truth from fiction. Yeah. Fast and at one cost to add secrets. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. There's other ways of adding secrets. Truth from fiction is one of them, and there's an upgraded truth from fiction as well. So it's worth probably a revisit. Then, of course. Astounding revelation, yeah. when you see it in searches, adds secrets or gives you resources. What else do we have? Eldritch Sophist, now. Yeah. Exhaust and move a secret. secret. Yeah. And it's um, enraptured. When you investigate, you can commit enraptured to add secrets. So that's leading me maybe towards thinking about, say, Daisy, potentially, likes this. I mean, she likes it anyway as a tome, even though she doesn't get her tome action from it. But she could be topping it up with secrets with those things. I mean, that's the other thing. Who who runs a card like this? You probably lean into secret tech. And maybe it'd be fun to revisit Mandy and do a kind of old book of law level three, which runs secrets and do lots of different things around secrets and adding adding secrets to this card, playing your no stone on turns fast to search your deck to find more secret tech. That could be really fun. Yeah, yeah, potentially, yeah. They are very intriguing. Yeah, very intriguing to me. Okay, next. Next, it's your turn. Cool, we have, and my uh, Gaelic pronunciation is probably not going to be great, but (laughs) I can only imagine this is pronounced Riestrad. Good enough, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the the accent over the I indicates in Gaelic. It has been explained to me before, because I I was learning Gaelic at one point, as in Scottish, Scottish Gaelic. Anyway, this is a zero-cost event, one experience, and it has two combat pips. Spell, Spirit, and Curse said, and it has Fight. When you initiate this attack, add up to three Curse Tokens to the Chaos Bag. For each Curse Token added to the Chaos Bag in this way, you get plus one combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. And it's got (laughs) a pretty wild bit of art. So it's based off... Gaelic legend of Cúchulainn. Cúchulainn, yep. Yeah, who's an Irish mythological demigod and who would go into a bloodlust, the battle frenzy, Riestrad, which is translated sometimes as warp spasm. (laughs) Yeah. And which turns into a monster and kills people. So uh, I know this from Slain, who's a 2000 AD uh, strip character. Hmm. With some uh, more recently, with incredible art by is it Carl Critchlow did the art? It's like a blend of uh, digital photography and and um, kind of drawn backgrounds. Looks stunning. Uh, but yes, okay. uh, Slain would enter like a warp spasm, and he'd his body would like twist up exactly like the art on the card here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just go crazy. Alad Slain was often based on like. The um, Cullen myths and uh, okay, okay, Irish yeah. and Welsh mythology makes sense. Checks out completely. So yeah, I mean this this actually reminds me of a cult invocation. You're fighting, you're trading in something to get a boost and a, a boost to your stat that you're fighting with and the damage. The difference being a cult invocation costs two, and the most boost it can give you is two, and it can go up to three damage. This obviously you add three curses, so you can get plus three combat and go up to a four damage hit if you wanted to. That's really nice. Which seems pretty good, yeah. Who wants a damage event like this in Rogue? I mean, 
maybe skids but maybe tony i mean that's the thing is that where's the home for high combat well i mean like if rogues. you if if you want to fight a three health enemy and you're adding plus 3 to your combat even mm-hmm. even Sefina's fighting at 5 yeah so so honestly i think anyone could run this yeah Seth or Trish are at five. Yeah, I mean it's a spell, so so you know Seth has got tools to find her spells if she's running, like say, Arcane Initiate or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it you know doesn't need a huge number of icons added added to the test for it to be a, a decent chance of success. Yeah, yeah, particularly with the the plus five, uh, plus three baked in. Yeah, and if you want if you wanted to, you just put another curse in for another plus one, even if you're only fighting a three health enemy. Yeah. For sure. So I, I legit, I think anyone could run this. Yeah, I think also because it's spirit traded, Calvin can run it. And, you know, we've talked about this before, com- damage and clue compression for Calvin is one of the challenges for him. So once his stats are pretty beefy, you just want to be able to kill things quickly hmm. and being able to say, okay, yeah, I'll just get a, a, a plus three to my combat and do four damage and just one shot this Night Gaunt or this beefy deep one or whatever it is. And and just clear that out. I think that's pretty nice as well. Yeah. Sort of just smash him. I guess yeah. the comparison in Rogue would be to something like Backstab. Mm-hmm. So level zero Backstab is is doesn't give us a stat boost at all, but does let us use the our agility and mm-hmm. will deal three damage. Backstab's often a card to talk about when we talk about dealing with three health enemies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is expensive to play, though. Yeah, it is. Three cost is really rough for dealing with a single enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is. in a lot of rogues, that using agility instead of combat kind of works out as at least a plus two to your test anyway, even before you start mm-hmm. adding any icons. Yeah. The examples we gave, Skids, it's a plus one. Winnie's a plus two. Seth's a plus two. Trish is a plus two. You know, they all get a real boost from switching to agility. And I'm glad I looked backstab up before I start talking because backstab level three doesn't actually increase the effects of the card at all in terms of the fight action. All it does nope. is returns it to your hand. Yep. Which is nice enough, but it means that for a more of a fight focused rogue, this Riestrad might be a better choice. Hmm. I think where backstab level three does work is in combination with, say, Chuck Fergus where you're dropping the cost and giving yourself a boost. And Chuck doesn't work with rear strad, but does work with backstab because he focuses on tricks and tactics. Yeah. But that's that's like then we're getting into a whole deck where we're saying this doesn't fit into that specific deck. Yeah, I think even as just a one-off that you're using this for some boosts, I kind of like Tony with Crystallizer pop pop the two combat icons underneath crystallizer oh, yeah. after you've played really this event nice. as yeah. well yeah, like yeah, paired like icons are quite nice and then you've got a plus two for when you execute someone with your long cult or something like that yeah no i like that a lot yeah i mean i think for zero cost and one xp it seems like a steal this card other final note i'd say is of course there might be situations when you can't add three chaos tokens Yes, that is worth mentioning, especially if you're putting this in a curse deck. Yeah, so you could be in a really awkward situation where you're like, oh yeah, I've got my three O or eight curses, I can only add two. Oh, that would still work. You'd have to be on nine curses. Yeah, 
yeah, that's that's just worth noting. Funnily enough, we've talked about this purely as a damage event and not as a kind of curse tech. And it might be that if you're in a party that's leaning into curse, one of your players, this is the only curse card they run. You know, or maybe Faustian bargain in this, and they're not they're not going really heavy on. I'm going to throw as many curses as I can into the de- into the bag. They're just like, oh, this is my token contribution. No pun intended. Cool. Next is Tristan Botley Fixer for Hire, and this is Evan from FFG on the arts. It is, I yeah. believe. And a dog on the left or the right? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's five cost two XP rogue asset. A wild icon. Ally, criminal, and cursed traded. Reaction. After your turn begins, choose two skills. Until the start of your next turn, you get plus one to each of those skills. Reaction. After any skill test ends, in which a total of three or more curse or bless tokens were revealed, play Tristan Botley from your hand at no cost. Nothing's ever going to be the same, Vito. Three health and two sanity. I feel like this, even without the second reaction ability, this card's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Does he... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's quite good. Like, mm-hmm. plus one to two skills, but you can mm-hmm. pick. I mean, it, yeah. it, you look at, say, um, Pete's level two, who's yeah. a very good card, probably ahead of the curve. He gives us plus two for three cost at two XP. Uh, his real abilities probably is... is his infinite horror soak, but I think mm. we'd probably agree Pete's a bit ahead of, ahead of the curve. Yeah, this guy's got yeah. more total soak, and you get to pick yep. which skills you want every single turn. Mm. And it's not like you only get the skill boost during your turn; it goes right through to the start of your next turn. Yes, that lasting to the next turn is really nice. I'm thinking weirdly of Preston, not to run this card, but one of the things that's frustrating about Preston is that the inheritance empties between the end of one turn and the start of your next turn. So you don't have that pool of cash to spend on skill boosters in Mythos. Of course, with Tristan, you get the ability and it lasts all the way around, which is really nice. I I find him really fascinating. The other comparison, I think, is with Lola and Delilah. They're three XP, three cost assets with two boosts and another ability. If he was 3 cost and 2 XP, I'm doing something I don't like normally doing, I would say he's way under the curve. Is that the right way of talking about it? Over the curve. He's really good if he was only 3 cost, because he's lower XP and you get the boosts. But obviously his cost has to be a bit higher, because otherwise why would you take them when you could just take a flexible boost, unless you're doing using the buying well, yeah, but really garbling this. But <laughs> that's that's where it's weird for me, because... If I want Lola for the two boosts that I'm getting and buying a clue, I'm never going to take Tristan instead. He's not a stepping stone to Lola or to Delilah. So what you trade in for is the flexibility of Tristan at the loss of the two um, resource-based abilities, the purchasing of clues and the damaging of enemies. Yeah. I think that's... It's interesting also you mentioned Preston. Mm. Because Preston would easily take... In my Preston deck, I'd love to, I love to take Charisma and then Lola and Delilah. Mm, yeah, because he likes using those abilities with his his cash, but also yeah. it, it's it's a significant stat boost. Mm. So in a way, taking Tristan, all you're doing is you're boosting his stats. You're not getting the useful abilities. But one of the things about Preston is that he likes to do one thing well every turn. 
So that's why stuff like Trial by Fire is good at him. This is almost like a very, very small Trial by Fire. <laughs> yeah, you can, yeah you could, ongoing. So say if you had some other stat boosts distributed amongst your amongst your cards, you, you could pick the skills that you want to use that turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, Preston wouldn't have a difficulty affording Tristan even without the, the second reaction ability. Mm. The other thing it makes me think is how often are you trying to boost all four of your stats when one plays? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? I think, you know, you look at Dark Horse, mm. which is kind of a nice to have. A couple of those stat boosts are probably used a lot more than the rest of them. Mm. Like... What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say Dark Horse would be nearly as good if it was this instead of everyone gets plus one. Yes. Yeah. You pick the neat ones you need. Yeah. Obviously, in, in solo, you're probably using more of your stats. Mm. You might have situations where you're going, oh, there's an agility test. I hadn't planned for that. Okay, Tristan, focus on agility, among other things. Yeah. I suppose the other thing is that because he's 2 XP, it does open him up to off-class rogues in the way that Lola and Delilah don't so say you could put this guy in leo yeah and you could be mostly boosting your willpower and your combat but then turns when there aren't enemies to fight you switch to boosting willpower and intellect and he helps you investigate or if you've got a turn where you've got to kill an enemy and get a clue you do intellect combat something like that because i was just thinking about you know thinking about him and tony say (laughs) and in tony do i just run delilah or may, I mean, maybe actually you do run Tristan because you can use him to boost intellect and combat in one go in the way that you'd need Lola and Delilah to get both of those boosts. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's where he's useful. I'm talking myself around to it as I... As I <laughs> yeah. What about this second ability? I, it's, this seems like a very much a nice to have. Yeah. I can't imagine that's going to get triggered a huge amount of times. But no. this idea of holding a great card in your hand, waiting for it to happen... That's quite rogue. Unless, unless you can, uh, there's not a window, is there? After you've revealed the tokens to f- to search for a card. No, don't think so. No, I don't think there is either. I think I think the other thing worth bearing in mind is we have seen announced favor of the sun and favor of the moon, which allow us to control releasing some tokens or give us a measure of control. So it might yeah. be that in decks where there's things like that, if you see two, which earlier in this episode we said happens surprisingly regularly you then throw in the third yeah you kind of control it that way yeah i can see that potentially potentially, yeah yeah okay that's tristan yeah weird okay we have a a, the curse of eons a uh i I realize i haven't been saying the uh the faction of the cards so this is a um this is a A lottery (laughs) yeah this is a mystic card it's a two cost three xp asset and it has a single wild icon and it has ritual and cursed Reaction, when a second curse token is revealed during a single skill test of your location, exhaust Curse of Aeons, cancel that token and treat it as if it were a skull token instead. You may choose to remove both of those tokens from the Chaos Bag after the test ends. Interesting. You may choose to remove both. You have to remove one of them, right? Because it's a curse token. Yes, and you've cancelled the second one. So that means it's returned to the bag and is not triggered yes you can choose to remove that as well so you have to remove one but you can choose to remove the second yeah gotcha (laughs) what were you about to say sorry i was chuckling at this card because imagine if it was 
the proper inverse of blessing of Isis, which would be our, <laughs> when a second curse token, token is revealed, <laughs> cancel them both and treat it as an auto fail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was making me chuckle that that would be a card no one would run, obviously. <laughs> but so instead, you're just cancelling one of the tokens and turning it into a skull. Yes. And I misread this originally and thought you were cancelling both. That'd be very good, but, I think. Yeah, that would be really good because you'd be going from a minus four to whatever a skull is. Yes. Um, instead, what's happening is that the second curse is no longer a curse, it's a skull, which means it doesn't roll. Yes. Which is quite important, I think. So you're saying, hang on, let's cut our losses here. <laughs> it might be that skulls are minus two as well, but you're saying, let's cut our losses at minus four, and that will be a pass. So in the kind of classic, I'm four up for an important test sort of situation, which I think is intriguing. Um, but it, of course, it's super dependent on what skulls are doing and how they're working and things like that. Yes. Now, I, I'm going to level with you. I think this card is going to be a key piece of curse decks. And I think okay. you could, well, you could you could build around this card, I think, mm. and mm. create, uh, in, especially in certain mystics, who, who mm. may, may be obvious, <laughs> uh, you could build a really, really interesting deck. Being able to guarantee not only a special symbol, a skull mm. immediately works with cards like Song of the Dead. Yeah, uh, we could even be using cards like Eldritch Inspiration, mm-hmm. uh, things like Defiance and Ritual Candles and Recall the Future. These are all, mm-hmm. if we can guarantee drawing a particular card, a uh, particular token. Sorry, these are all mm-hmm. cards that become a lot more powerful. Um, yeah, and what we've seen also, you mentioned it when we were looking at the, uh, the last card. Yeah, Tristan. Uh, we, we've got those two. Is it, is it right of the moon and right of the sun? Of the Fa- favor yeah, of fav- favor, favor of, the moon. of the moon. So favor of the moon will let us guarantee a curse token on a test. Mm-hmm. So we don't even need to draw two curse tokens. We need to draw one curse token, and then we use favor of the moon to hit the second, which then is treated as a skull, yeah. and everything goes off. Yeah, yeah. Your jewel of Aureolus or whatever other madness. Yeah, jewel of Aureolus. Yeah. That's another good one. Um, so, so this this all you, you could play this in gym because then that mm-hmm. that skill becomes a zero. Lots of lots of scenarios. If you can time your flow right through the scenario, um, I've noticed actually in Innsmouth skulls tend to be pretty bad quite quickly. Mm. But but mm-hmm. in some other scenarios, if you're keeping things under control, it's like the doom on the highest enemy kind of thing. Yes, um, yeah. Skulls typically tend to start out okay and get worse as you go through. Yeah, as death and decay accumulates in whatever place you are in yeah. yeah so i think there's a real potential here to create a to, to create almost an archetype around it if nothing else it feel it's like a stop for curses so you draw one curse you get the second curse you well i don't want any more curses <laughs> this is a this is a skull instead yeah yeah no that's what i meant where depending on the modifier you know a minus 2 and then into, say, where skulls are minus three, and that's just a minus five, that might be what you can manage and deal with. I mean, I think, because the other thing to bear in mind is if we are running this in Mystic, hopefully they're testing willpower normally at quite a high number. So what they want is just to be able to stop rather than worrying more about what happens next, I suppose. Even, actually, with the cursed spell suite, one of the challenges is you want to see a curse to trigger the extra effects, you know, do an extra damage with Armageddon, get an extra clue with Eye of Chaos. 
you don't necessarily want to empty the bag of curses, certainly not with the level zero versions. You just want to see one curse and then stop there. <laughs> so seeing one and then hitting a second and actually saying, no, 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 we didn't hit a second. And I'll actually leave that in the bag because you can choose to remove remove it or you can leave it. That seems, yeah, pretty useful. Yeah, it's a really intriguing, really intriguing card. I like as well that it interacts with other investigators at your location, which we haven't seen for all of the curse stuff. A lot of the curse stuff is fairly selfish, but this is this is quite good. If, if you take this in Jacqueline and our curse team, potentially when Trish is <laughs> grabbing curses, you can make, make her stop. Yeah. Which would be nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can even make a... You can turn that first curse token into a plus one with your, um, your yeah. Blasphemous Covenant. Yeah. So you go from a potential minus four to a something that works out as a minus three or two, and that's not too bad. Yeah. Shall we move on? Yeah, yeah, let's. Next, we have... That is our only Mystic card in the pack. It's a good I one, I suppose though. because they got three spells in a in a big chunk at one point. The next card is Unrelenting. This is a survivor skill, one XP, with a wild icon. A lot of wild icons in this pack. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. A lot yeah. of wild icons. Yeah. Blessing of Isis, Tristan, Curse of Eons, now this. Practiced, so Amanda can take it. Max one committed per test. After you commit Unrelenting to a skill test, search the Chaos Bag for up to three non-auto-fail Chaos Tokens of your choice and seal them on Unrelenting. If all three tokens sealed on Unrelenting are plus one, zero, bless, and or Elder Sign tokens, draw two cards. Release all tokens sealed here after this test ends. I, I, I think this is wow. a really good card. It's... So, so just just to lay it out for folks, this this has two basic effects mm-hmm. uh, that you can pick between when you play it. You can make your test easier by sealing tokens that would fail your test on it, mm-hmm. aside from the auto-fail token. Or you can seal tokens that would help you pass the test to make this um, draw you cards. Mm. Particularly if the bag is full of bless with that second setting. Yes. You could drop from 8 bless to 5 bless in the bag, draw two cards. You're not significantly impacting the chance you have of hitting bless. And you're still leaving in your plus one, your zeros, your elder sign, the things you want to play with. So you're just getting more value out of bless tokens then. Essentially, for having filled the bag with bless, this draws you cards, which is very nice. So, so I mean, imagine in, say, the Forgotten Age, is mm. there a, there's a minus five. Is there a, What's the yeah. next... Lowest token, then a minus three. Yeah. yeah, so you could take out those two. So this has got one pip, but if you've taken out the minus five and the the minus three, like that's equivalent of what two, three uh, wild mm-hmm. icons. Yeah, yeah, which is really nice for a one XP card. Mm. An additional two to three wild icons, I should say. Yeah, or or if you think you're going to smash a test, then you draw cards yeah. after it, and it, it's it's like a one of the neutral skill cards. Yeah. Yeah. Better than. Yeah, right? Yeah. Draw two is really good. Yeah, I think you summed it up basically perfectly, that it gives you this choice. And if you're just hurting for card draw, but you're, you know, I'm thinking of Silas when I'm looking at it, you've got your Peter Sylvester and your track shoes down, you're evading a fairly easy enemy, you you seal up a couple of blesses and something else and draw cards, you're still three up anyway. Yeah. And you're willing to take that gamble. Obviously, pull it back to hand if that 
doesn't <laughs> doesn't turn out well. So yeah, I think I think it's really nice. Yeah, and there's even because it's in Survivor, you might want more reasons to hit your uh, zero and play you catastrophe and things like that. So there's all sorts of other playful things that are lurking in oh, this man, card. You can pull it back to hand as uh, as Silas as well. So you could you could commit yeah. it, seal the bad tokens. Uh, you draw it. You pull it back after you pull the token. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got the benefit of it, <laughs> and then you pull it back, mm. and those those tokens go back in the bag after you've already pulled the token, right? Oh, yeah, is that, that's is, true. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. That, that's right, isn't it? I think that I think that's the right order. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a great. <laughs> I need to get this card in my Silas deck. That's a really nice point. Yeah. In when you mentioned Forgotten Age as well, there's times when if you're doing um, a turn back time run, you add two, you end up with two Elder things in the bag, and they often are between the minus three and the minus five. So there'll be a minus four and some other nasty effect. Yeah. So like seal those two and the minus five up. You just need to be three up to pass them. And there's, and then there's even situations there. where you're, you pull a test you can't pass. Yeah. And you say, well, what's the worst that could happen? And you look at the scenario card and then you realise yeah. it's like drop all of your clues on your location or something. Yeah, place place a doom on the nearest enemy. That's right, yeah, to, yeah, to, stuff like that. And you could even, it's like a super defiance, isn't it? Yeah, you could take like very controlled, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. defiance you can use to take out not only uh, large negative special tokens, but also mm-hmm. the effects on those tokens as well. This, this yes. could almost yeah. have that same that same use. I think it's a really good card. I think it's flexible. I think it maybe should be two XP once you've added that as a as an option to it, to the ability to control what um, happens. And then, does Amanda like it? So she could potentially take three tests and... Draw six cards? Draw six cards or just, yeah, take out, you know, um, oh, hang on, the hang lowest on. three tokens for the turn. Oh, after yeah. this test ends. It's not like you can end up yeah. with nine tokens sealed on it. No, 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 fortunately not. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. Really cool. And the art, by the way, is awesome. He's pushed him off with a... He's like shoved that bar into... Oh, no, that bar is a rope on a boat. Is it not his spear? Oh, is it his harpoon? I'm it's, struggling it's not to... coming out the At other... first I thought he'd harpooned him and he was chucking him, but now I think he's like holding a rope above his head and he's just tossed with his other hand this deep one off the... I think it's his harpoon or spear. I said spear. Okay. I'll study this more closely. Because it's not the rope isn't coming out there's not rope coming out the other side of the enemy, right? Oh I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the pose of the deep one is fantastic though. Sort of like YOLOing. Yeah, I can imagine it would be a there'd be a a Wilhelm scream at this, at this point. <laughs> right, take us home, Peter. Yeah, Our final, final card. card. Right, we have uh, Signum Crucius. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Yeah, that works. Uh, this is a survivor skill. It's 2 XP and it has a wild icon. Wow. Yet another. Uh, it has practiced and blessed traded, which means Mateo can take it. Commit only to a skill test you are performing, and only if the difficulty of that test is higher than your base skill value. After you commit Signum Crucius to a skill test, add X blessed tokens to the Chaos Bag. X is the difference between the test's difficulty and your base skill value. It's a bit similar to how uh, it's against all odds. Mm-hmm. That draws yeah, you a token yeah. for every difference, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and feels we've also got uh, Rise to the Occasion as well. Yeah, yeah. It requires that, that, that same ability. It even looks like Mateo on the card, actually, doesn't it? 
It does. Give me yeah. a hint. Mm. So what do you make? What tests is Matteo taking that he's below the difficulty? Mm, I don't know. Which is kind of yeah. So difficulty is higher than well. You could put it in to like a spectral razor test. Yeah. Or read that's read, read the signs yeah. if your base skill is yeah, below what the nice. difficulty is. Yeah. Really good idea. Yeah. Okay, that's that's nice, and that's so. My thinking there is, if you're wanting to get lots of blessed tokens from this card, you're taking a test at one of your weaker skills and against a much higher threshold. So this this card is probably with its single icon not going to help you pass the test. Mm-hmm. That might not be the end of the world because it's in Survivor, so maybe it's a fail style card like we've seen with you know take heart, you take a test that you're happy to fail because you're going to draw cards and get resources. So that's one. You're going to play a look what I found or something like that. Exactly. You're gonna you're gonna play other things afterwards. I think the the super home for cards like that is Calvin because his base skill is zero. So in Calvin's hand, this could be um, an add four bless tokens to the bag yeah. card. Yeah. It could be higher than that. But of course, keep faith is two cost and add four bless to the bag at level zero. So if you're only running this card to get lots of bless, you could be doing that at level zero anyway. And I mean, at least you get a, a wild icon rather than a willpower icon, but I'm not sure if that's the reason that you would upgrade into this for that. So that's, I suppose, my first point. So then, yeah, I think your suggestion of Mateo and adding another stat, so your base is quite low, but your actual testing value is quite high, seems pretty good to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah potentially. I, I do think there's a. It's worth looking at a Calvin bless deck because his ability to take spirit cards opens mm-hmm. up some of the guardian. Like the one we looked at in this pack, the blessing of Isis. That did that have spirit on it? Or am I? No, that's ritual and blessing. Oh, it was the first card. The that... spirit was Riastrad. Right, yeah. that's right. Yes. Oh well, ignore me then. I mean, the other thing to factor in here is drawing thin and changing the difficulty of tests. Yeah, yeah. So potentially, Signum Crucis can get you, say, eight blessed tokens in the bag in one go, where Keep Faith never, never will, because you take a difficulty four test, boost its difficulty twice with two drawing thins, and and go that way. So like there is a there is scope that this could add a lot more. The other things I'm thinking about, you know, Silas can commit this, add the blessed tokens, and pull it back. You can use this to sort of drip bless into the bag. Yeah, continuing to do that. But the thing that gets me a bit about I don't understand the survivor bless style. What it's trying to do. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? I, like I, I understand the curse style in say. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's not there doesn't seem to be many other survivor cards as of yet which key off bless or curse tokens being drawn. There seems to be a mm. lot of way of putting tokens bless tokens specifically into the bag but not mm. really a way of exploiting the currency of Bless. Yeah. And, and I mean, of, so... of all the factions who want to smash tests, of, Survivor doesn't feel like one of them. Yeah, and even their Ancient Covenant, or their Covenant, which is the Ancient Covenant, when you reveal a Bless, you exhaust it and you don't reveal another token. Mm. So maybe they turn Bless into kind of surefire success, and that's what they do with it. But that runs so counter to all of the kind of mitigating failure stuff yeah. we have in them. Unless the expectation is that Survivor just go around testing at not as high thresholds. Well, maybe. And therefore filling the bag with Bless is 
an end in itself. Maybe, yeah. But I mean, there's only one faction I've seen someone play and be annoyed they've 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 passed the test. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Survivor because they want to do stuff when they fail a test. Oh, I really wish I'd drawn a minus one because hmm. then I could I could get twice the clues I'm getting. Yeah, and how does um, Beloved work? That's when you reveal a bless, you turn it into an auto success. Is that right? Yeah. If a blessed token is revealed during this test, you may remove Beloved from the game to replace that token's effects with the following. You automatically succeed. Do not reveal another token. But even then, it's not like... But Beloved is already plus two as well. It's willpower, agility and wild. (laughs) That feels like it would be better if it was like an auto... uh, Sorry, the elder sign rather than an auto success, almost. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I don't know. It's just a weird. It. it I don't understand how it works yet. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you know, you could. We mentioned Tommy earlier. Maybe all these cards go into Tommy, and he <laughs> plays Rite <laughs> of Sanctification as well. Yeah, or Yorick, the other home. We've we've bandied that around as an idea, haven't we? Yeah. That you use the survivor cards to get Bless into the bag uh, more efficiently than some of the Guardian cards, like the Blessed Blade or the Book of Psalms. And then once the Bless is in the bag, Rite of Sanctification becomes a really potent economy card. Yeah. Maybe. Potentially, yeah. 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 The only other thing I want to say about this and about Unrelenting is that they're practised, so Amanda can take them, but also practice makes perfect, can find them, commit them, and then return them to your hand if you pass the test. So, they, I mean, practice makes perfect is already an insanely fun card to play, but adding more cool targets for practice makes perfect seems really good. Yeah. I'm I'm really intrigued about putting Unrelenting in my current solo Amanda deck because I would love to be able to use it like you suggested, actually, where I'm using it to mitigate the worst tokens in the bag. So playing practice makes perfect to go and fetch what looks like a one wild icon, but is actually secretly a, a plus three and pull that out to, yeah, do things with. I don't know if it's as exciting to do that with Signum Crucius, but uh, it's worth noting. Yeah, yeah. Any final thoughts on the sign of the cross? No, no, I, I've just opened my, my Silas deck for our fresh playthrough of of, uh, of uh, Innsmouth Conspiracy, and I'm just desperately thinking what I can cut to add. Uh, <laughs> unrelenting, unrelenting, yeah. yeah. It's quite a lot of pressure on silence for like one XP skills. You've got brute force and sharp vision, and then also now unrelenting. It's like all of these things that kind of get crammed in at that. Yeah, I, I must is already skill heavy. I must yeah. admit though that the the team I'm playing with uh, is Joe and Luke. So actually, mm-hmm. the the sharp vision, yeah, is probably less pressure on that. Brute force still yeah. though is is very good. So standout card of the pack for you, Peter. Um, Curse of Eons, I think, very good. Mm. I think uh, Reastrad mm. seems pretty solid, to be honest. I, th- I can see that cropping up in, in a lot of decks, but probably Unrelenting, I think that's a really <laughs> good card. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to Unrelenting, yeah. or a lot of um, scope for piloting skill. Yeah. For me, I think Blessing of Isis. I'm really intrigued by that as a, a proper bless payoff for the whole team, you know saturate the bag with bless and then suddenly people are pulling elder signs much more often team player frank exactly. over here exactly the guy who plays solo most of the time <laughs> 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 bro cool 
Well, thanks very much for listening. You can find us in all the usual places, drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com, drawn to the flame everywhere else. And yeah, looking forward to hearing what your favourite card is in horror in high gear. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that is the two cryptic grimoire upgrades. <laughs> Sorry, that was the doorbell. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> he's got, great he's, timing. The, the postman's got hot takes about cryptic grimoire. Here's a second. <laughs>